This is a Macquarie Group podcast. Welcome to Macquarie's Perspectives podcast, where our diverse team of experts and invited special guests share their latest thinking on current and emerging topics. I'm Laura, and today we're exploring a topic which has received a lot of airtime recently, the role of the office and the impact hybrid working is having on the workplace of the future. So in response to changes in the way we work, and of course, where we work, workplaces are evolving, and many organisations are rethinking their office footprint. So while workplaces remain an important component of organisational real estate, there's an ever-increasing need to ensure businesses maximise flexibility and provide spaces that promote well-being, innovation and creativity, of course, as well as creating a sense of inclusion and purpose for the employees that work there. So to explore this in more detail, I'm joined by Tracy MacDonald, Macquarie's Global Head of Business Services, and Andrew Burdick, Macquarie's Global Design Director. Tracy, Andrew, and of course their teams are tasked with delivering a world-class workplace experience that reinforces Macquarie's culture and connects our people, our clients and communities. Tracy, Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So Tracy, if I could start with you, the role of an office is evolving, as I've said. How are you seeing this change take place and how has the growth of remote and hybrid working over the past few years influenced this? Yes, well, thanks, Laura. It certainly is a topical uh, conversation at the moment. Uh, But at Macquarie, the office has always played an important role as a place for our teams to come together, a place for our people to share ideas, to connect, to collaborate, to co-create, to socialise, to build relationships, and importantly, to learn from each other. And we have always seen the workplace as an opportunity to shape and sustain Macquarie's culture. Now, of course, when COVID hit, the way the work and our relationship with the office was fundamentally disrupted. And we responded by continuing to listen to our people through human-centered design as we adapted a more flexible way of working. And what we heard from our people was that our people wanted the best of both worlds. On one hand, people valued the additional flexibility of being able to work uh, remotely, but we also heard that the experience of extended periods of working from home actually amplified the role the office plays in fostering human connections and learning. We also heard that the office facilitates the free flow and collision of ideas, which ultimately we believe leads to innovation. So the focus going forward is really about creating a next generation workplace that is purposeful. And what I mean by purposeful is that intentional designing to enable flexible working and equitable experience to support all those reasons why people come into the office in the first place and ultimately to create spaces for those moments that matter. Thanks, Tracy. And you mentioned collaboration and connection there, which I think is so important to this conversation. Going over to you, Andy, how do you design a workplace that cultivates well-being, collaboration, innovation, and is also a place where employees want to spend time? That's a huge amount to achieve in one workplace. Sure. You know, as the world continues to evolve and adapt uh, to this hybrid future, our workplaces really do continue to be an important component, an important catalyst for supporting our people supporting their diverse work activities, their preferences, their their needs um, on a day-to-day basis. And that really gets to that reason of why you would come in, right? What What is it that would create a great environment for our people? So as a, as a baseline, 
the spaces have to be purposeful. I think people feel the authenticity of purposeful spaces when we create them. Um, but what does that really mean? How do we how do we do that? So it really starts, I think, um, with some of the fundamentals. First, it's a space that supports your well-being, right, as a, as a person in the space. So what is that? That's access to natural light. That's access to natural air and ventilation. Wherever possible, access to outdoor space um, throughout your daily experience in the, in the building or in the workplace. It supports your holistic health. Uh, it, in other words, it's just a good place to be. But building upon that, second, it's really a space that connects you to your peers and the purpose of the organization. In other words, I think as a designer, we feel it when we're in a space that connects us to something greater than ourselves. And that is something I think is very important to our people. It's one of the reasons that you would come in as opposed to work from home. Um, it, it's some, there's something fundamental about that and you feel it in our spaces. Third, it's really about a space that continues to evolve. Um, Tracy mentioned human-centered design, HCD for short. That is a fundamental component of how we develop our spaces. But what does that really mean? It means that we're listening to people. And that's not just for the developing the space. That's for long after the team, the construction team has gone away, we continue that process of, of listening and involving the spaces to make sure it is aligned to the purpose of the business, the purpose of the people in it. And that people feel that, right? That there's an alignment between their needs, what they're telling us and what they're seeing in real time in the spaces that they're occupying. So I think these three things really come together to create a purposefulness that uh, is authentic and that really uh, drives people to want to be um, in these workplaces. And the process of human-centered design, for people who might not know about it, it's really about engaging with the people who are going to use the building in a number of ways, focus Absolutely. groups, asking them questions, how do they feel, what do they want to feel, that kind of thing together. In exactly. It, it seems like a very straightforward thing to say, but it's a fundamental to simply listen to start that the design team isn't there to simply lead by edict. It's really about listening to the fundamentals of what people are saying and then using the expertise at the design table to then interpret that and then help uh, through the engagement with the staff to develop uh, what they need. Yeah. So talking about developing what they need, Macquarie is building a new global headquarters in the centre of Sydney. Um, and one Elizabeth Street is going to be a 39 storey office building, I think I'm right, which is opening in 2024. Um, so Tracy, when you're starting a project like this, who do you consult with in the ideation phase to ensure that the building meets the needs of employees? I guess Andy talked a little bit to that mm. and also the broader community, I guess, that it's located in. Yeah, well, firstly, uh, we're incredibly excited uh, to be delivering the Sydney Metro Martin Place project. And if we just go back in time first, just to give a, a bit of context, this project actually started back in 2015 when Macquarie identified an opportunity to partner with the New South Wales government to design and build a landmark transport-led uh, integrated commercial, retail and public precinct in Martin Place. And for Macquarie, the development also presented this great opportunity to bring our staff in Sydney together in one location for the first time um, in 20 years, which is really exciting. And one of the two um, new commercial towers, one Elizabeth Street, will be integrated um, with Macquarie's existing heritage building at 50 Martin Place to form our new global headquarters. So a really nice melding of um, old and new. And to show we made the most of this opportunity, uh, we set ourselves a vision um, to create a place for everyone in the heart of Martin Place. And to deliver on this vision, we began to listen to our customers, um, including metro users, surrounding businesses, surrounding commuters, 
our visitors, tourists, our clients and our employees. So we went um, quite broad um, and importantly, we also consulted with the locally connected First Nations people. And through all of those conversations and through that listening, we learned that the spaces we create must be inclusive, sustainable, connected and dynamic. And so these became our guiding principles. And I'll just give a quick example of how we've brought those guiding principles um, to life. And that's through the creation of an open and activated ground plane and a place where people and the community um, can come together in an open space um, to enjoy public art. Um, there's public seating, um, there'll be retail spaces, cafes and restaurants, um, all of those um, spaces to allow people um, to connect as they move through the city on, on a daily basis. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, now, Andy, people can probably tell from the accent that you're part of Macquarie's team in the Americas <laughs> and you're specifically, you're based in New York um, and we're actually developing a new location or a new office space there too at 665th Avenue in Manhattan. Um, how did the process differ with this location and what have been the main factors of consideration in developing a cutting edge workplace in the US? Sure. Um, before I jump into the, the differences in process, I want to just take one step back and really talk about what unites the projects together. Um, there, there's an incredible importance around um, being able to have a global approach to our spaces that then can be developed within lo local nuance, really uh, aligned to local need, local ambitions. Um, and that is in incredibly important for a place like New York. Uh, but it takes us always back to, regardless of the process that we're needing to follow in a specific locale, to me, uh, as a design lead, the, the real success is that our people, our visitors coming in, they should never know that that process may have been different, that the goals and the ambitions of the global organization are unifying the spaces together, and yet there is a nuance, a specialness, um, a, lo a localness that has really derived, again, not to reiterate the human-centered design process too much, but that by working directly with local teams, local leadership, and the local cultures and ambitions of those teams, that's what really gives the sort of spark to our spaces and does create a sense of difference, but within that larger framework that really makes it a Macquarie, a Macquarie space. So now to actually directly answer your question, um, the, the process is different and uh, different. And what, what was the fundamental difference? You know, in Sydney, we're the owner operator, right? We're going to be the primary user um, as well as we, we built the building from scratch. In New York, we're going to be the primary leaseholder in, um, in a building owned by another organization. Now, why is that, is that important? The most important first design decision in, that, in a project like that is that we find the right partner, the right build, base building, the right partnering owner or, or a landlord. Um, and what do we mean by uh, that alignment? It's really alignment around um, sustainability. It's alignment around uh, well-being, you know, taking care of our people. And it's alignment on our ideals of placemaking. So all the placemaking goals that Tracy just talked about around um, uh, the project here in Sydney, um, those are still goals for us, um, whether or not we are building an entire building, right? We are part of neighborhoods. We are part of campuses. And so that focus on people in place was incredibly important in, in a facility like New York, where we are a major stakeholder in that building but certainly don't steer the entirety of the building. So now that, that sets us up then, once we have that alignment, to really shine when we build our own space within that foundational space. Um, so the second part of your question around um, you know, developing a cutting edge workplace, what does that really mean? 
So again, to reiterate it, there is that baseline of natural light, natural air, uh, access to outdoor spaces. And to build upon that at a base building level, really good, large connective floor plates. Why is that important to us? As Tracy was mentioning this notion of learning, most of that learning is ambient. It's about sitting next to someone who does something slightly better than you, someone who's slightly more senior or has a different skill set than you. Those large open floor plates give visual and oral proximity. You can feel what's going on on the floor, and that's where opportunity creates at, at an entrepreneurial level. But then we go past that. It's not just about an open work floor for a team. It's about connecting us as one Macquarie. That's where that signature stair, that signature atrium space that we've been known for for many years now, that's where that comes into play. That's not just about creating you know, a, a, a shock and awe factor for our, our buildings. That is a purposeful utility-based space that connects us all together, regardless of what business you're working with, what team you're with. So we have the large connected floor plate. We then connect it at the scale of the building. And then last, we take those lessons of physical connectivity and something I think we've learned um, over the last three, four years, uh, particularly during and after COVID, is how important those lessons of physical connectivity are when you then translate it to digital connectivity. We are a global organization. Our teams work globally. And so the ability for a cutting edge workplace to not only work as a physical uh, manifestation of the, of the organization, connecting us together, let's say in New York, we have to go one step beyond that now. We have to then connect that into the network of Macquarie spaces, connect it to Sydney, connect it to London, connect it to Gurgram. And that, those lessons come together, I think, to create a real sense of connectivity, um, both within the building and at a global level uh, for the organization. And that means, I guess, as staff travel around the world or, or partners and clients that they feel when they're in the building that they're in a Macquarie building, right? Because they feel that connectivity between. Exactly, I was flipping through um, the last sort of five years of work and that's everything from a 20 person office up through some of our 500, 600 person offices that we've done in Hong Kong, Philadelphia, Houston's underway right now, uh, to some of the larger ones underway right now in Sydney and New York. And what you said is exactly true. It, we don't roll a kit out. There's not just like, there's not a Macquarie color palette that just goes everywhere. And there's not just one chair that is everywhere. There's a global approach. And that sense of, of thoughtfulness, you do feel when you now, now as we look back over the last five, six, 10 years, you, you do feel it in, in the spaces. Mm, I agree, it's that global approach, but certainly we need to pick up on that regional local um, flavour so that that workplace is really connected um, into the city that we're, the, the, the workplace sits within. And what, our, what our teams have always sort of liked about that is that it parallels the model of success of Macquarie as an organisation, right? That this notion of having an incredible global framework and yet the empowering of the individual at a local level is the, is the spark, it's the engine that drives it. Our workplace is very much designed with that, that in mind. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, so going back to the first part of your answer there, Andy, it's so interesting to hear all of the work that goes into a project even before a single piece of scaffolding is put up. And it also sounds like we've come such a long way in terms of infrastructure design and city building. So Tracy, to pick up on that with you, these buildings will be around for decades to come. And during that period, um, we'll undergo significant advancements in technology, for example. How do you ensure the buildings are future-proofed and flexible for workforces of the future, if you like? Yeah. And building for the future is, is, you know, building for the future is super important to us and, and, and does take up a lot uh, of, our, of our thinking and, and time up front. But for us, uh, it's all about creating sustainable uh, infrastructure, ensuring we have the technology um, to power a future-proofed 
next generation workplace. And sustainability has been a core design principle. Um, and in Sydney, uh, for example, the entire precinct has been designed to a six star green star standard. Uh, it will be 100% electrified and will be powered by 100% renewable energy. Uh, we're also focused on sustainability within the workplace by selecting greener, uh, more sustainable materials and using recycled timber, for example, where we can. Uh, and we've also had a big focus on reuse, reuse of furniture uh, and repurposing, for example, sandstone um, from the exav excavation to incorporate uh, into the garden, which will also heavily feature Australian native uh, planting. From a technology perspective, the building will leverage data from over 2,000 uh, sensors, monitoring uh, things like real-time temperature, air quality and energy use, which will allow us to optimise day-to-day operations um, and the quality of the indoor um, environment. We've also had a wireless first approach and it will be one of the first 5G buildings in Australia, which will ensure we're maximising productivity and global connectivity. So ultimately, we feel we're well placed to leverage technology and data and that will allow us to ensure that our buildings are able to adapt and respond to ever-changing uh, external dynamics. Yeah, it's fantastic to be able to harness that as you as you build the building. So Andy, we've talked about the importance of community employee involvement, but I'd love to know some of the other elements um, that inform the designs that you develop. Um, does location play a big part of this? Like, do you bring New York into the building or Sydney into the building as you're designing it? And Finally, what excites you most about about being being part sure. of this project? I mean, location, as we've said a, a couple of times now, absolutely plays a part. Um, we it is part of the the design input, right? Um, it's a part of the baseline what we're designing around and, and who we're designing for. Um, it always does come back to that sort of global approach aligned to local need and, and local ambitions. But like you just mentioned, uh, something interesting about literally bringing the city in. In New York, the main Macquarie signature space is literally going to be called the Avenue. It literally brings the energy of Fifth Avenue up into the building. It connects us as a conduit, a, a literal avenue um, of space that brings together all the shared amenities, all of the of the informal spaces to bring us together. Um, and it was literally inspired by the way that the city of New York operates. It, it is anchored by the Avenue. Off of it are a series of park-like spaces, heavily planted green porches, things like that. We then have landmarks, all the key spaces that we all will functionally use um, as shared space. Uh, and then there are neighborhoods off of it, the, the work areas that are literally for our teams. And so even at that conceptual level, the way that New York is organized as a city even inspired the design team. And then of course, things like um, the colors of our stairs, those always have an inspiration coming from what's important to our teams. Uh, locally, and and you know that's always one of the the, the most hot topic conversations. But it, it's because people care about that local sensibility and how that ties into, in this case, the framework of Macquarie's uh, signature spaces. Um, so yeah, absolutely, location plays a huge part in in what we do and how we design. Um, you asked about um, you know what are the things that uh, that excite me? What what are the things that that draw I've drawn inspiration from? Um, and it's funny, you know, my background wasn't originally in workplace. My, my background had been in designing universities and libraries and concert halls and, and all of those sorts of things. And it's actually why I came to work for Macquarie because um, the team, Tracy included, said, yeah, that's exactly why we're talking to you. Um, and I think there's something in that. There's, there's, a, there's a magic in how Macquarie looks at its workplaces and who and what we look at for inspiration. 
So of course we look at our peers. We we want to know you know what's going on in the talent market. But I think our spaces have so much more in common with the best university libraries, the best civic centers, the best concert halls. And I think it's about it, we go beyond just just as fundamentals. They're important. But we look to something that's about bringing people together around a common goal, a common purpose. And if you think about all those spaces I just mentioned, that's what they're really good at, right? A library brings you around uh, together around the common purpose of learning. Uh, a concert brings you around the common purpose of culture and music and, and delight. And civic spaces bring you together around common ideals of, of civic virtue, etc. There's a parallel from that to what we do in our spaces. And so when I'm looking for inspiration, that's exactly where I look from. Like if I want to know what the future workplace is going to look like, go to the best new university library. That They're on to something. Um, so that's where I think our myself and our design teams really look for, for inspiration. Um, and I think as a result, it allows us to break free of, of, of just simply repeating the workplaces of the past. It allows us to think more broadly. Um, about how we support our people in meaningful ways. And Trace, would you add anything to that? Well, I think it was very well said, but uh, frankly, uh, I'm lucky to be part of such a diverse team uh, who brings such unique perspectives to each of our workplace um, projects. And I think that is what makes us uh, unique. And what excites me is seeing these projects come to life and realising new opportunities for connection, for innovation, for learning and collaboration for the benefit of all of our clients, our communities um, and our people. Yeah, fantastic. And look, we, I feel like we could talk about this for hours because it's such a fascinating area. And I think working in your teams must be hugely exciting and interesting. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thanks, Thanks Laura. Laura. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Macquarie's Perspectives podcast. You can learn more on Macquarie.com. Thank you for listening to this Macquarie Group podcast. All episode disclaimers can be found in the show notes.